Amen. You know, it's always, it's always good to just respond to Jesus. And I have a, a word that I want to share with you guys. I think it'll be brief. You know, I pray that uh, as we're coming off our 21-day fast today, if you've joined us, I pray that you're, you're feeling more connected to Jesus and excited about what he's doing. I don't know about you. I, I, always, I always like the time of the 21-day fast when it's over. I really enjoyed that time. Um, this year, it has been especially slow, in fact, instead of fast. I don't know if anyone else has felt that. Um, where you just would rather be eating ice cream. Um, And, like, I'll tell you a funny story to just share a little bit about us. We had a a few weeks ago, it was a rough day for a lot of us. And John and I were home, and it's like, 10 o'clock by the time we get everybody in bed and somehow we we end up sitting on our bedroom floor eating salad because we were fasting and we're crying and talking together and you know just processing a little bit but we're sitting on the bedroom floor eating plates of salad and at some point it was like John I really wish this is ice cream and he was like, I know, that's normally what we'd be doing, sitting in our room eating ice cream, but we ate salad instead. And, uh, you know, that's just what you do, I guess, when you're fasting. It's so random, but uh, it's been slow and it's been hard. But in the midst of it all, I have sensed Jesus so strongly. I've seen him working. I've tasted his goodness, I hear his promise, and I sense his presence because he's still good. And as we as we're kind of coming into a new year, I just sense that one thing that the Lord is calling us to do is to get to know him again or for the first time. to experience his love and respond to it, to learn to be a people who are, who are in relationship, in responsive relationship to the love of God. And some of you might just be like, I don't even want to talk about the love of God today. Life is hard and I can't even see past this day. And I have no room for the warm and fuzzy in the middle of all this pain. But the good news for you is that God's love isn't like a Hallmark movie. It's fierce. And it's relentless. And it's constant. And it's abiding. 
See, because in the middle of our suffering, Jesus shows up. It says in Psalm 34 that God is near to the brokenhearted. I have the privilege and honor in my job to be up next to a lot of people with broken hearts in a lot of places. And I always find Jesus there. It's like a privilege to just draw into those people because Jesus is so near. It's a promise in his word. And sometimes we want the gospel void of suffering or struggle. And sometimes when we do have to stare it right in the face and feel it, we somehow create the idea that God is far or absent or indifferent about our suffering. But the gospel isn't void of suffering. It was built on the suffering of Jesus. And he knows and understands in a way that's powerful. And I'm here to tell you that in your darkest moments of pain and loss and struggle, that Jesus is there. He is Emmanuel. That's what the scripture says, which means God with you. He's close to the brokenhearted, binding up their wounds. He is working for the good of those who love him. Even in the worst of circumstances, he sees you and he loves you. And so I just want to put the reminder out there for everybody in the room or joining us online that in the middle of hard times, there's an invitation to press further into the Lord, to open your heart to him, to experience his love, to learn to trust him more deeply and to praise him. So we're going to jump into scripture. And, um, you know, I was, I'd been kind of wrestling with what I really wanted to share, but I'm reading the whole Bible this year chronologically. Uh, so I read like, you know, about three chapters a day or something. It's been really interesting. I've, I'm almost through Genesis and I've read Job because if you read the Bible chronologically, you'll be like reading it in the order of events and things and when it was written. And so it's been very fascinating. But a couple of weeks ago, there's this passage that's kind of obscure <laughs> That, that like jumped out at me and I just keep coming back to it and I keep coming back to it and I just can't get away from it. So I was like, I'm just going to share that with y'all because, you know, who doesn't love a good obscure scripture now and again? Uh, but the, the beauty of the word of God is that this is alive and it's active and it's bread for those of us that are hungry. Like Dave was saying, this is your meal. Jesus. You'll find Jesus in these pages. You'll figure out who he is and what he acts like and what he thinks like and what his heart is. And so even in weird scriptures, sometimes the Lord will just show something to you that's different. All right. So you're going to open to Genesis 29, but I'm going to have to give you the whole backstory so that you get it. Okay. 
So we're going to look at just a few verses about a woman named Leah and Jacob. But you kind of have to know what's going on here. So Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Abraham was a really cool guy that was filled with faith that God made a binding covenant with. All right, so he promises, he shows up to Abraham and he promises that he's going to be the father of nations and that his descendants are going to outnumber the stars and the grains of sand. And, and in his old age, he makes this promise to him. He has no kids. And then at the ripe age of 100, Abraham becomes a dad to the promised son. Now there's a whole mess there in the middle. He becomes a dad in his own strength and with a different person, but the promised son comes to him at age 100. And Jacob, in our story, is the promised son's second son, a twin, who has stolen his older brother's firstborn blessing, which is a big deal. And you can imagine that didn't go well for him with the twin. So he has to run away because his brother's really super mad. And he comes to a new land and he finds a beautiful woman that he falls in love with and he begins working for her father. And I'm just going to kind of read a little bit in 16 so that you can kind of see. The, the man he's working for is Laban, all right? Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah and the younger one was named Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I will work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So he worked for seven years to pay for Rachel. Now, Here's the, here's the thing. The wedding day comes. And on the wedding night, Laban gets a little extra sneaky, and he actually takes his older daughter, Leah, into Jacob. And so the next morning, there's quite a surprise. Whoops. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, you guys... Some of you that binge watch reality TV, set it down and just binge read your Bible because it's all right here. I'm telling you, this is the original content for any of the trash that we're watching. It's here in the word of God. All right. This story, I'm not even going to go into all the details. It is messy. I mean, I'm like, I've been reading through this. I'm like, this is like the Jerry Springer show right here or something. I don't even know if that's still on. I never even watched that. Uh, But I always feel like, and the father is. Um, So we're getting off track. I'm starting to preach like John today. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. John's giving me the signal. What are you doing, woman? Okay. Okay, so back to our story. Jacob, he's worked seven years to marry this woman that he's in love with. And it said, it says he works for seven years, but it felt like nothing because he was so in love with her. But he wakes up the day after his wedding, realizing, oh no. This is, this is not the woman that 
I worked with. Now, let's not spend too, many time, too much time trying to figure out how, that, that, how he didn't know, because we're not going to know, okay? So he's furious, and he goes to Laban. And he says, dude, we had a deal. I've worked for you for seven years for this woman. And you played a trick on me. Now, this is coming from the trickster of tricksters, okay? So, like, you got to read his backstory to know. And he said, I wanted Rachel. So Laban's like, yeah, bro. Here in our culture, that's not really how it works. The older, the older sister has to be married first. But if you want to go ahead and work another seven years for me, you can have Rachel. So he says, absolutely, I will. He marries Rachel a week later after the bridal week is done and stays around for another seven years to work to pay for her. And this is where we're going to pick up. In verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children. But Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, The Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, and she named him Simeon, for she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. And then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son, and he was named Levi, for she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons." Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son, and she named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. So this is strange, but hang with me. It's it's a weird scripture on so many levels. But I think there's something here to press into. We have this woman who is completely unloved. She has a a husband only because of deceit. And she has lived in the shadow of her sister's beauty for her sister's whole life. And it's clear that her husband didn't want her. And yet in this unfair, hard and awkward and less than desirable situation... God saw her. And names in the Bible are are meaningful. So in some ways, this is just like genealogy, but in other ways, it's telling us a story. I think it's so interesting. When I read this um, the first time and and it stuck out to me, I, I highlighted... The Lord saw, the Lord heard, the Lord noticed, and then I will praise the Lord. And you see this progression happening in Leah. And, and, and what I want us to really notice is that this whole thing is initiated 
by God because he loves Leah. He isn't giving her children so that she will be loved. He's giving her children because he loves her. And this is subtle, but we have to get a hold of this. Do you hear what I'm saying? He wasn't giving her children so that she would be loved. If that was the point, then she wouldn't be on some son number three saying, and maybe now my husband will feel affection for me. This wasn't about gaining love from people. The Lord said, I see her. I see she's unloved, but I love her. And I'm going to give her children. See, Leah was having the love and favor of God poured out on her and was waiting for that to translate into love from her husband. But when she gets to son number four, I feel like she, she finally gets it. Because her only response is, I will praise the Lord. All of the times before that, she is acknowledging the Lord. She is saying, the Lord has noticed my misery. And now my husband will love me. The Lord has heard I was unloved and given me another son. So she's recognizing that the Lord is working in her life. She's acknowledging that, but translating it into a way of like, God's going to do this so he can love me. God's going to do this so he can love me. Look, God did it again. Maybe now he will love me. And number four, she says, I will praise the Lord. God wants to pull us into himself. He wants to woo us with his love in a way that ends with us not needing love from any other place or person but him. That's the point. God is not blessing us so that we can be loved by other people. He is blessing us because he loves us. Because he sees us and he wants to pull us into this relationship where we get it, where we go, I will praise you. You are enough. You are it. You are the love. You're the one who fills that spot in me. And when he's enough, we praise See, true worship will flow out of our love relationship with God. It's super hard to be like pretending to be in love with Jesus in worship. 
But when you have encountered him, when you've tasted his love, when you know he loves you, it's way easier to press through and allow worship to flow from that place. And that love gives us strength and it fills us with the fullness of God. And we end up in this beautiful cycle of just encountering the Lord and having enough and giving him praise and being filled with the fullness of God so that I want to love him more, so that I keep doing it and I keep doing it and I keep growing down into his love where I am completely saturated and rooted and grounded and unshaken, not because my life is good, but because my God is. Not because anyone else loves me, but because God does. And that is, that's a picture of where God is pulling his church We have to come back to this place where we just fall in love with Jesus. And we have to stop believing the lie that we need everything to feel all right in order for us to fall in love with Jesus. You know, like we want it to be like a Hallmark movie where you show up in some small town in Connecticut and some dreamy whatever is there and you... You, you bump into each other and drop your stuff on the street and he helps you gather it and there's a magic moment and then suddenly life is happily ever after. I mean, it's even better if you just go to that small town in December because then it's, it's going to happen. Christmas Hallmark movies. And so sometimes when we talk about the love of God, we get off track. When we talk about falling in love with Jesus, it feels too mushy. It feels too fairy tale. It feels too something for what my life has been, for what my circumstances are, for the things I've done, for what I bring into this relationship. And the thing is, is sometimes we got to X that and be like, that is great entertainment, but that is not reality. And we all know that if you have been married or ever fallen in love. The reality shows don't have any of that. Just saying, because that's not reality. Jesus is inviting us to a place where we are so undone and so consumed and so overtaken by his love that it is not just a feeling. It is not just a a thing. It is a daily relationship and a cycle in our lives where we grow, where we're transformed, where we experience his fullness, where we live like we believe we're actually loved because we know we are. I like the the prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3. The whole thing is good. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, but you can mark it and read the whole thing later because it's so good.
actually, I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's so good. Paul's been talking basically about the gospel and about Jesus coming and making a way for both Jews and Gentiles and how this is God's plan. And he says in verse 14 of chapter 3, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Listen to this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's time to get rooted in his love. Man, it's saying you get rooted in the love and then you have the strength to stand. How do we do this? Well, it says, let Jesus make his home in your heart as you learn to trust in him. That's how you get rooted in his love. You give Jesus access. You live with him as the Lord of your life. You become a dwelling place for his spirit and you learn to trust in him. The new King James version, I really love it in that probably like I think I learned this scripture in King James or new King James. It says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. How do we get rooted in the love of God? We allow Jesus to dwell in us. How do we do that? By faith. By trusting him. By believing. We were made to encounter the love of God. To understand it. To take it in. To experience how far reaching it is and how deep it goes. You, you were made for that. It's not for some special person. Paul says that you should know, as every believer should. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're made to know it. You're made to see it. You're made to experience the the width and the depth and the height of his love. And when you get wrecked by the love of God, you're, you're just never the same. I mean, anybody else in the house just been like, I am not the same. And the beauty of it is, is God's love is so deep and so high and so wide and so long that you just get to be continually wrecked by his love. It's not just a one-time experience. It's just ongoing. Forever. 
And that, that, when we step into that place, when we're rooted in that place, when we're experiencing and understanding how the love of God works, even though it says, even though our minds cannot fully take it in, okay? So we're never going to truly understand it. All you thinkers in the room, I'm so sorry. We get to stand in that place, and it says from that place, that's when we are filled with the fullness of Christ. You have to make space for Jesus, and then you have to respond to him. You can invite him in to be the dwelling place, but how do you get the roots? You begin to trust him. That means you have to respond. We have to be responsive people. When Jesus is tugging on your heart, you respond. When a word is given, you're like, I got to go to the front. You respond. When God asks you to do something, you respond. When you suddenly feel his love, you respond. Sometimes it can just be like, whoa, God, I see you there. See, that's a response. It's an acknowledgement. Like probably 14 years ago, man, I'm getting old. Not as old as John. (laughs) That was a good plan. I never have to feel old because John's like almost 10 years older than me. You know, sometimes you just got to dish it back, right? Like I have the mic today, so about 14 years ago, John and I were on a pastor's retreat. It was just for senior pastors and we went to this little tiny campground in East Texas. And we had free time in the afternoon, and John was playing basketball with some of the other guys. And so I, uh, I got out my, my iPod. <laughs> iPod. With my wired headphones. It was super convenient to run back then. Um, and I, I just threw on some music, and I was just, the Lord was just doing something in me. But I was like, I'm just here. This is pretty. It was a pretty place. There's trees in East Texas. Uh, and they had this, this tiny, it was like a lake. It was probably more like a pond, but, you know, we're in West Texas, so let's call it a lake, all right? You, you could get in, in a canoe and go around it, so therefore it's a lake. And it had this beautiful dock. And so I, I just was walking around this lake, just worshiping, just listening to worship music. And like, I can't describe what was happening except for something in me was just like starting to explode. And so I'm, I'm just listening to music and I, I'm like walking and then, and then I was just like, oh my gosh, God, you're so good. And then I was just running and then I was just running around the lake and then I was like dancing around the lake, becoming that person, you know, I was like, I hope nobody else is watching. Uh, and, and something was just happening in my spirit. And I, I, I came to the the dock and I sat down on the edge of the dock and I was just sitting there just listening to music. And I'll never forget this song that I was listening to. The, the, the bridge says, 
Love has found me. It surrounds me. I am yours. I am yours. And I kid you not, you know the way, you know, you know what's about to happen. The way Jesus works. I was sitting on that dock and I had the most radical encounter with the love of God I had ever experienced in my life. I don't even have words except for love found me. He surrounded me and I was all his. I mean, I just felt like something came crashing down on me and there was a sudden switch of like, oh my Jesus, I am loved like a lot, like you, whoa, this is the love of God. And what I, what I can see, like the picture I could see is that I had lived most of my life, like the Lord just showed me this, like walking with a screen door in front of me. I used to have one that I'd bring for this message, but it's been 14 years and we've moved a few times, so I don't have it anymore. But I'd, I'd, I would live, I lived my life behind a screen door, not a, not a, not a wooden door. So I could still see some stuff could get out. Some stuff could get in, loved people, loved Jesus, all those things. I'm a senior pastor at this point, you guys. And I, I lived my whole life in every relationship with the Lord, with family, with friends, with anybody, just with this screen of protection. I wanted some. And so you can get some, you know. But that day on the dock, the only thing I can say is that the whole screen door was just flopping around. It just was completely crushed. It was like God just unloaded everything in a way that just destroyed it. And for the first time, I felt the love of God in all of its fullness instead of squishing through a little tiny screen and getting a taste of it. And I was undone. Because God's love is crazy. It's so much. It's so much. And I did nothing for it. That was strange. I'm a high achiever. And I did nothing. But suddenly something transferred and it was no longer Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. It was Jesus loves me, this I know, because I sat on a dock and I radically experienced it and you can't undo it. And the Bible tells me so. (laughs) This is treasure. I think I even had the capacity to experience the love of God because his word, his precious word. But 
God wants to take us from this being a this thing to being a this thing. Like, I always knew Disneyland was cool. I always knew it was the most magical place on earth because that's what they say. But when I was like in my 20s and I finally went for the first time, I found out Disneyland is a bomb. Don't ask John, he disagrees. But you know what I'm saying. You can know something because of what you heard. You can know something intellectually, and then you can know something because you've experienced it. You've tasted it. You've gotten a hold of it. That encounter with the love of God changed me. It changed the way I loved. It changed the way I let people love me. It changed my view of the Lord. It changed my view of how I worked for the Lord. And you know, God continues. There are some times that I'm just undone by his love. I think as believers, we're just supposed to be. <laughs> I was driving up here on Wednesday night. I could not get myself together. I walked in and Felicia's like, are you okay? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, the blood of Jesus is so good. And she's like, are you all right? <laughs> and I'm like, the sacrifice of Jesus, Felicia, who would I be? The love of Jesus. And she's like, what, what happened? What, who, what, what, what's on fire? Nothing. I was just driving and I was just thinking about Jesus and I just heard this song and then I was just so taken in. See, there's something that happens to us when we dwell on him and, and when we think about him. Man, if you want to understand the love of Jesus, think about who you would be if you weren't a believer. Hang out with your unsaved family and be like, thank you, Jesus. Were it not for you, that's who I would be. Do you understand? This is the greatest love of all time. And it's for you. Because God saw you. He sees you. The one who feels unloved, the one who has had it unfair, the one who, who is in an awkward situation or something that is less than ideal, all of those things like Leah, God sees us and he says, I love you. I love you. And we're like, Jesus, I want them to love me. I love you. Maybe if I do all these things, they'll love me. I love you. He loves you. 
So whether you find yourself in the hardest days of your life or the best days of your life or somewhere in between, God loves you. That's it. Like he really loves you. Like, it's not just something to put on our wall. It's not just a catchy phrase. It's not like, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave you his son. He loves you, like, for real. And we must respond to his love. We must learn what it means to fall in love with Jesus and live from that place. I love better when I live in the love of Jesus. That's what we're talking about. So I want you to stand. We're going to respond. Man, I just feel like, I feel like the whole morning, there's just been like our, our atmosphere in the room is just charged up. And the Lord is like wanting to release some things. And, you know, God's word says freely you have received, freely give. So I just love to just give away the love of, the, of God all the time. Now, I can't give you my encounter. That's mine. But I can give you his love. And you can have your own. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. God loves you. There is zero exceptions in the room. Like, let me make sure. I don't see one. I don't see one person who's exempt from this promise. I don't see one person who is too far gone, who is messed up too bad. It doesn't matter how much you know. Man, I had a radical love encounter with Jesus when I was a senior pastor. You thought, like, I got off of that dock like a fool. Like, Jesus loves me. I didn't know it. I know I've been preaching it for two years, but I... It doesn't matter. God wants to meet you today. If you want to just put your hand over your heart, I'm going to pray over you. Holy Spirit, come. God, I thank you that you see every person. You see them behind the walls, behind the screens. You see them hiding. You see them in fear or shame. You see them in their joy. You see them. for anyone in the house who just feels unloved, God, you see that person. 
And right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just release the love of God. That you would impart a fresh measure into every spirit. That you would come crashing through any preconceived ideas, through any uh, family history, through any, through any wall that we have built up. Thank you, God, for your great love for us. God, I pray that you would begin to just pour out affirmation. That you would begin to pour out your unfiltered love. God, I pray that hearts would awaken to the delight that you feel over them. Thank you for giving us a little taste of that. And I pray that every heart as it's awakened would be responsive, even if it's just saying, thank you. If it's just saying, I love you back. Lord, we will be people who respond, who learn to trust, who learn to know your heart, who walk with this this love that's chasing after us, that's relentless, that is so far reaching. It's so long, it's so high, it's so wide, it's so deep. Oh, Lord, give us a revelation again of that, as all God's people should, should know. Thank you, God, that your, your love can look like a radical dock encounter with ugly crying and crazy feeling or it can look like quiet absolute peace we receive We open our hearts to you, even if it's uncertain, even if it's scary, even if our heart is full of pain right now. We invite you. Thank you, God, for just peeling back layers of things that we have tried to put up. I I just see this picture. I think this is for somebody, and then we're going to close. I see this picture of, like, wallpaper, like it's a bad wallpaper job, like several layers worth. And it's like I can see 
something seeping through the walls and it's beginning to peel back. And I just feel like the Lord's, it's the Lord's love. Like God's love is being poured out and it's going to begin to peel back layers that you have put up layers of shame, layers of guilt, layers of condemnation, uh, layers of striving, layers of disappointment. And I just, I I share that to just say all of those things can't stand when the love of God hits you, when he begins to work his way into your heart and your roots begin to grow down deep. It's those things that begin to be peeled off and that's where you get to trust. That's where the cycle starts. That's where you begin to start experiencing the fullness of God is will you trust him without that that thing? Will you trust him without that protection? Will you trust him if you actually let go of the shame? Will you will you trust him? And when you say yes, then it's like another dose of love and another dose of trust and deeper roots and strength in your innermost being. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us something so solid to stand on, and it's you, your love, you. You are enough for us. In these days, in our hardest days, in our best days, You are enough. Your love is enough for us. Let us be people who don't take your love and translate it hoping for love from people. But let us be people who turn our affection back towards you and say, we will praise the Lord. We will worship from this place because we are so greatly loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you guys still want prayer, if you've got something that you're like, I need more, I, I got a little taste, but I want to talk to somebody. Our leaders are going to be up here. We'd be happy to just continue to pray with you with anything. We are having lunch uh, in about five minutes, probably. They need a little bit of time to finish setting up. Uh, there's going to be a potluck lunch. If you did not bring food, you don't need to bring food to stay. Please stay. It will be a good time, some fellowship, and then we're going to have a a meeting where we just kind of talk about the ministry of our church, uh, things that are happening, uh, updates, and so please stay. Join us in the gathering room down the hall into the devil doors.